0: you're listening to detroit today on 101.9 wdet i'm stephen henderson and as always thanks for tuning in watch any nightly tv newscast and you will quickly be bombarded by the worst kinds of violence in our community and across the country And now, interest in murders and assaults from the past is increasing with the ubiquity of true crime shows and podcasts. But there are a few specific cases that have continued to mesmerize and capture the imagination of the American public for much longer than that. Think about the murder of jean JonBenet Ramsey or the Zodiac Killer and others. Those are all cases that, despite being examined and argued over for years still have not found any resolution. Now, Michigan journalist and friend of this show, Shana Roth, has a new book about these cases. It's called Cold Cases, A True Crime Collection, which is available now in stores and online. Shana Roth, welcome to Detroit Today.
1: Thank you, Stephen. It's always wonderful to be here.
0: Yes, great to have you with us. So our listeners know you for your work as co-host of WDET's Mishmatch, which you work on with our senior producer Jake Near, and your reporting for M Live as well it would be familiar to a lot of our listeners. And previously covering the state capital for Michigan Public Radio Network, which includes WDET, but. I think they would be a little surprised, as I am, to know that you're also a crime writer. How did you get <laughs> into that?
1: Yeah. So I uh, used to be a prosecuting attorney in my you know, life before journalism. I worked for Ionia County for a little while. And that gave me a lot of experience, you know, sort of firsthand in the criminal world. And I've always had a fascination with crime. Um, being a prosecutor for a lot of reasons didn't work out for me, but I sort of took those skills. And I took that experience with me wherever I went. Um, And essentially, this kind of came out of nowhere. I was approached by Ulysses Press, they had a book in mind, they wanted to do a collection of cold cases. um, And they reached out to me because of that prosecutorial background, but also my journalism background. And we talked it out, There were a few cases that they really wanted to include in the book, such as The Zodiac Killer, because that's such a well-known and very interesting case. But they also gave me free reign for more than half of these cases to pick and choose which ones I wanted to include. And so I kind of fell into crime writing in a way.
0: (laughs) Uh, So I'm going to ask you this question because you have kind of a dual background, as you say. A lot of times lawyers who work on these kinds of cases, either as prosecutors or defense attorneys, have a lot of complaints about the way that media cover them. In other words, they they sometimes think that we don't get the intricacies of of law and and sometimes don't understand how all of these things are going to work. I wonder in in your research for the book, uh, what you made of the way in which these cases uh, get media attention and the way that media try to explain them to the, to the public because you are a, both a journalist and a lawyer. I think you have probably a pretty unique uh, perspective on all of that.
1: I have to say, I was quite critical of the media for a lot of these cases because, <laughs> uh, and, and, and in part, I think it was even more emphasized by the fact that I am now a journalist. I'm, I've seen really good journalism. A lot of my colleagues you know, over the years have been amazing journalists, and as I'm re- researching these cases and reading through the newspaper articles, in some of these instances, I was like, oh, my colleagues would never do something like this or I would never do something like this. So I kind of had it from both ends where I was quite critical, particularly with a few of the cases such as the John JonBenet Ramsey uh, murder, the Natalie Holloway disappearance. Uh, these are cases that we became so obsessed with, I argue in the book, in part because they're about pretty young white women and mm. we just do not give the same amount of attention to other types of victims. Um, So I came up with this phrase called a wig, a pretty young white girl, Hmm. um, which is this sort of classification of victim that we are very obsessed with. And you contrast that to a case that I also talk about in the book that's not as well known, like the freeway phantom, where in the 70s, just as we were sort of getting off of the Zodiac craze, there was Uh, a string of rapes and murders going on in the Washington, DC area where young black girls were being left on the side of the road. Mm. And those were cases that I hadn't really even heard of before I started this book. Mm. So I was very critical sort of throughout and very aware of what is the media's role in these cases.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, some of the cases in the book, of course include the Zodiac killer, the black Dahlia murder, John Bonet Ramsey, D.B. Cooper, the golden state, killer. Um, How do you bring new kind of information or approaches to these cases? Some of them we know a lot about, again, from media. They got incredible media coverage. Some of them are just kind of historical markers. I think Uh, Zodiac Killer, for instance, is something that I think most people have some degree of familiarity with. How did you tell these stories in in a new way in the book?
1: I really tried to be as conversational as possible i wanted this to have a sort of blend of you know kind of a sarcastic humor in some cases um i tried really hard to find and explore uh, areas that maybe people hadn't considered as much so With the Zodiac, you know, it's been podcasted about, written about, movies about for so long. So I kind of, you know, commented on that and talked about why this is the case. But I also looked into, you know, the the fact that the Zodiac is is kind of a coward. And that's why he stopped uh, murdering people after he almost got caught. So I tried to find... Uh, little, little angles uh, that maybe hadn't been as explored as much with the Black Dahlia. I called her the patron saint of mutilated women and sort of talked about this obsession with, uh, with, you know, with women being tortured and things like that in our culture. Um, For the Isabel Stewart Gardner Museum heist, I talked about how we don't talk about art heists like we do other types of crime, and why is that? Is it because art is not as accessible as murder in hmm. some cases? Um, so yes, I was really about you know making it a conversation and also trying to find those different uh, avenues that maybe people hadn't thought of when they think of these crimes.
0: So I, I am fascinated by the Elizabeth Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum heist mm-hmm. because I think museum heists it's kind of occupy a, a very strange space. In American crime, this is this is very high-level crime, right? Uh, it's mm-hmm. very difficult to do. It would require an enormous amount of forethought uh, and and planning. Tell us more about that case and and why it hasn't been solved.
1: Yeah, that one. When I came across that one, I was like, oh, we. I got to talk about this one. It's it's a really interesting case. So it is. Uh, the biggest museum heist i believe in american history and it, the museum itself is in boston and essentially what happened is there were two men who went into the museum and they tied up the security guards and they just went around the museum they spent about i think it was like 80 81 minutes which is an entirety in the museum, going around and cutting pictures from frames, they took a couple of other uh, non-artwork pieces, and this happened in the ni- in nineteen ninety. And so it's a fairly recent case, but it was still, you know, before we have a lot of the modern technology when it comes to uh, to burglaries. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But they but there was a lot of going on where there they had the um, the motion sensors, but there, there was some data missing. Um, it is just a really interesting case, and there's still, I believe, a ten million dollar reward for <laughs> if these you can get people. these guys. And, turn and you know, them I in, really right? tried. I was like, <laughs> you know what, I'm going to solve this, and I'm going to be set. But I mean, this is something that has puzzled. Uh, really serious art detectives, which is apparently an actual job, which I didn't know before I started researching this. This has puzzled people for years. And it was just a really fascinating case to look into. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, There's also at least one Michigan connection in a case in the book, and that's the case of uh, D.B. Cooper. Tell us about that case and how it connects back home here.
1: Yeah, D.B. Cooper is the case of the gentleman who got on a plane in the 1970s, back before we had a ton of laws and security at our airports. He got on a plane. He handed the stewardess a note and said, Miss, I have a bomb. And they got people off the plane, and he demanded uh, money. And while they were back up in the air, he jumped out with his cash and with some parachutes Hmm. and never to be seen again. And there are theories going around that he could be connected to... That, that, that D.B. Cooper is actually a Michigan man. Uh, there have been several... Uh, people who have come forward and said, actually, it's this guy over here Mm. from Michigan, who (laughs) is DB Cooper. But I mean, if you go to any state, they're going to say, actually, no, DB Cooper is one of ours. You know, you go to Seattle, you go wherever.
0: (laughs) Everybody wants to. Yeah.
1: And this this was such a fascinating thing. While I was reading this book, there are so many people who come forward and want to say, I know who this person is. Whether it's D.B. Cooper or the Zodiac, there were several people who claimed that their father was the, was the Zodiac killer or their father killed the Black Dahlia. Yeah. Um, it's just amazing that you would constantly see these patterns in these cases of people coming forward and being like, actually, I know who did this when the evidence is not great.
0: Hmm. Uh, the true crime genre has really taken off in the last few years. And as I said in the in the open it's not just podcasts which there are many 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 right now but but also books um why are we increasingly drawn to these kinds of stories what is it about now that makes us so curious about them
1: i think a part of it is is access and a part of it is the media fueling that so i think we really started to get into these types of cases when the news cycle became 24 hours and we started to have all these hours to fill and the media saw that like the o j simpson trial got huge numbers. And so they started looking for these different types of cases. And I think that that sort of started this fascination with crime. And then sort of from there, it becomes a a, a kind of a snake eating its tail, right? Where mm-hmm. people are interested in it, so we're going to give them more and they're going to keep consuming it. So we're going to give them even more. And, you know, I think for some people, it's who doesn't love a mystery, um, who doesn't want to try and solve something on their own. And I think for some people, it's there's just something almost comforting about it where they see that you know, there's stuff happening to other people, and I think on some level it might make them feel safe because it's like, this isn't happening to me, this isn't happening in my neck of the woods, this is stuff that happens over there. So it almost makes it feel like a fiction as opposed to reality. Hmm. Um, But yeah, but I think really where it started is when the news cycle went 24 hours.
0: Yeah. Right. That's right. I mean, uh, they've got to have something to talk about and murders or other mysteries, I think, uh, fill a lot of time. If you think about uh, some of the, some of the cases in the book, even and how much cable news, 24-hour cable news time, they they ate up. Uh, Jean-Benet Ramsey, of course, is the one that I think people, almost everybody, can remember.
1: Uh, you still see her face in the mm-hmm. checkout aisle on mm-hmm. magazines every now and then.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, as you said, the publisher approached you to write this book. It wasn't something that you were thinking about doing. But now that you've done it, is this now going to be a, 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 a regular part of your career or another career? Do you have another true crime story that you want to tell?
1: Boy, I hope so. Uh, <laughs> I definitely have true crime stories that I want to tell. I mean, I went through and I found so many different cases that whittling it down to these 10 was really difficult. There's so many fascinating stories out there to tell. And I think there's just a lot of angles that haven't been explored when it comes to to true crime cases. So, you know, I am always open to new opportunities. And this is definitely something that I enjoyed.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, great to have you here, Shana Roth, uh, to talk about cold cases a true crime collection, which is available now in stores. Uh, Shana, thanks for being here with us on Detroit today.
1: It was so great to talk to you, Stephen. Yeah.
0: Okay, we're going to take another quick break and when we come back. We're going to talk about the Comet. Neowise, which is lighting up the night sky for the next several days. The director of the Cranbrook Planetarium will join me next to let you know how to see it and why such cool things are always happening in the cosmos. This comet has not been here in more than 6,000 years. Think about that. 6,000 years ago, people were looking into the sky to see this thing, and we are doing the same thing today. We'll talk about it next on Detroit Today after a quick break.